Welcome to the show, everybody, Brain Health, Unchaining Your Pain. And I am so excited and really honored to have an amazing guest on our show today, Amy Kardashian. Absolutely welcome to the show. It is my pleasure to be on your show. I love what you do. (laughs) So Amy is just such an amazing soul. She it is the author of Tears of Hope, where she really shares her journey about living through sexual, physical and mental abuse and really surviving 13 devastating years of the 1975 Lebanese civil war and her inspiring story, which is in this phenomenal book that she's written herself, um, is actually being made into a motion picture entitled Light from the Shadows, which is being written and co-produced by Eric P. Granger and oh my goodness Amy it is the most phenomenal can't put down book have all my tissues to hand uh, as we we go through this interview because I feel I might have a a tear or two coming on it was just an absolutely uh, heart-wrenching heart-stopping story just want to thank you for sharing it and having the, the power and the courage to do so well, thank you for taking the time to read it. I really appreciate that. And, uh, you know, I, I I want the results to be to be the tears of to tears of joy to others by learning and being inspired and give them hope uh, by reading the book. That's that's yeah. the main message is about forgiveness, love, peace hope and so we can all have a better life and before we dive into your phenomenal story i just could you introduce to the listeners who you are what you do and who you serve now today what who i am today that's the that's the that's the key who i am today not who i was because exactly. I don't, it's, my story it's not who i am i it just uh, uh made me who i am so I don't live my story. This is who I am today because of my story. So today I am um, the founder of EmpoweringHumanityTV.com, where I have a TV show with audience. I bring some of the top experts in the world to share their knowledge, wisdom, and powerful insights. And I also have a kind of online academy where I bring speakers, um, uh, leaders to share again their wisdom and knowledge because that's how we're going to change the world one step at a time, one person at a time, one city at a time. Um, the goal is to really have this movement and uh, create all the leaders come together so we can have a better life. And I also have a networking event where I empower humanity. Um, and that also we have healing through music. So I empower empowerhumanitytv.com. We deliver our message through four different ways: TV show, networking events, uh, healing through music, and uh, uh, the academy with other um, experts like yourself. And uh, <laughs> that's where I am today. It's about healing the world. That's I, what I you do. know. It's so important given the crisis we're in today's society. I know, you know, we've seen some horrific images on television recently about the struggles that people are facing um, and the the violence that people are experiencing. And I just think it's such a beautiful message and opportunity to really share your story and really help empower other people to learn from the experts how they can really take back control of their well-being and really learn from the best people to know that there is hope and that there is light out there and that and that there is light at the end of that tunnel of darkness and people are there to hold their hand and guide them through it and show them the way so just want to thank you for doing that so i i thank you i thank all of the all of the the uh, experts who comes and become uh, part of the show or the academy, I actually thank them for stepping up and doing this because 
uh, knowledge is power if you know how to use it. And all of the experts have a way to teach and to, to, to guide people to see light through darkness. Uh, such mm. as yourself, you're you're out there helping people, and you shared something. I I watched your one of your interviews. You're sharing about how you could relax, and then yeah. you, if you have a child, you could help them. That's empowering. That's knowledge that someone, some mother, can apply to herself and to her child. That's the kind of things um, I am blessed, and I don't need to be thanked. I thank other experts. I thank all of you who stepping in and and becoming part of this beautiful movement. And I, the reason I am very passionate about this, and all of the experts are very passionate in making a difference in the world, is because we want to make it. We want to. We want to empower. We want to uplift the the energy in the world. We want to um, uh, elevate elevate the consciousness in the world. We're mm -hmm. all passionate about that. And myself, particularly, I want to do something like this. Just empower humanity. I want to just empower humanity. It doesn't matter what you believe, what what your religion, uh, what your political background, all on the side. And we're just going to come in and heal families and, and, uh, and individuals. Because we want to have a better world. Uh, mm -hmm. I believe I believe in, in knowledge because I didn't get the chance to learn mm -hmm. from anybody besides my father left in knowledge with me. I, he was my mentor and yeah. he, he unfortunately he passed when I was 25 and I didn't spend too much time with him when I was a child as you read the book. Mm -hmm. But just because when he left that knowledge a little bit with me made a difference in my life. And I know mm. how much he, all of the experts that they're coming together to help this movement, how much they're going to leave a legacy. They're going to leave, they're going to change people's life. You know, mm. I didn't have an opportunity to get access to this, what we have right now, but I want to provide it to other people. I, I, I think provide that's so it to the world. And I, and I just think that's so beautiful. And Amy, I'd love for you to, I know you've written this book, Tears of Hope. What, what was it that really inspired you to write your life story? What was the driver behind it? You know, it just, sometimes we grow in life and then we overcome our obstacles and challenges and we don't even realize it. As you know, I have only fourth grade education. And mm -hmm. when I came to United States, I didn't speak English at all. And the first couple of years, I was around mainly people who spoke my language, Armenian and Arabic. And mm -hmm. I didn't learn English. But then I, I was basically uh, couch homeless in the United States because I didn't come in as a refugee from Lebanon. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have a close family. I had some relatives. But I didn't have a close family, so I didn't have a home, basically. And I had to survive with a 10-year-old daughter in a foreigner country. I didn't speak English at all. I didn't have money. I didn't have a skill. I didn't have education. So I had to find my way to survive. But then I forgot about how I survived it when I became an entrepreneur. And uh, I was driving on the freeway, driving a brand new car, listening to music, enjoying myself, and just being successful, just enjoying the success that I got. And very soon, I felt the tear coming down, uh, tears of joy, like, where am I today? I have only fourth mm. grade education, civil dyslexia. I didn't know how to even, when I used to do meeting for business, nobody knew I didn't know how to write. I used to have like my own sign of writing. You know, I put notes mm -hmm. on my own, in my own way, but it's all hidden, you know. Um, then I found myself, uh, I, I took my car and I parked it in the desert and I just broke down from happiness, from joy. Like, wow, wow, really? This is where I am now? Would someone didn't have hope or believe that you could be somewhere? And uh, 
I just my inner voice, I heard my inner voice says, you need to write your book. You need to inspire others. If you can do it, somebody else can do it. And all the pictures start to come to me when people waiting in line in a grocery, they got uptight. When they're in the fast food, if they're wait, if there's a couple of cars, they got uptight. And I'm looking at them and I'm saying, you don't know what it is to wait in line to have a piece of bread. You know, mm. you don't know what it is. I couldn't blame them. It's not judging because they don't know any better. So mm -hmm. I, I thought maybe if I bring the knowledge, maybe if I've shared, then they will not be uptight if they're staying in line. Maybe then they will see their life differently. Maybe by sharing the story, it will help them to see their life differently. If we don't share our stories, then how other people could see their life? You know, they can compare I, their life, right? Yeah, and, and I think it's so important that you give people hope by sharing your story, that there's hope that there's an opportunity to have a better life than the one that they had. And I know there's so many people who are, you may feel that they've been in a similar position to you, you know, coming into America with hardly any money, $200, I think you had, didn't you, and a 10-year-old daughter, no ability to speak a language, and knowing that there is there is hope, there is a future yes. that, that you can create for yourself, um, and which you did for yourself, by yourself, um, which I think is phenomenal. But I know that there were two major influences in your life um, and that was your dad um, who who unfortunately he died very young for you but also your brother your older brother Robert would you yeah. would you mind taking us back to to the story how he really inspired you to have belief in yourself the conversation that you had with him yeah i i will and then then maybe we'll get into after that story how why important to keep your hope alive mm. it is very important because without learning how to keep your hope alive something can really really crush you as you know um i could share robert's story for sure um robert and i he's eight was eight years older than me, but mm -hmm. he always believed in me. And, and that particular day, 1975, with the Lebanese Civil War just began, and my father wanted us to move to Egypt. So he came, and my father said, okay, we were gonna, we making decision, family decision, and we all going to have to move to Egypt ASAP because the war is going to start. And we didn't know what war means that time. Mm -hmm. We didn't experience anything. We're just starting to be in the streets a little bit. And um, we were okay. We were going to do that. And uh, my father left the room after the meeting. And my mom and my other brothers left. And I stayed with Robert in the room mm -hmm. talking to him. And this is the day that I had. Uh, he taught me how to keep my hope alive because I was yeah. losing hope. Mm -hmm. I was losing my hope because I was repeating class year after year with my dyslexia. And I had no hope to be anything. Uh, mm -hmm. Then he was telling me, Amy, um, what you want to do when you grow up? I said, I want to be a teacher. He said, why you want to be a teacher? I said, because <laughs> I want to help. I want to uh, inspire. I want to help the kids. I don't want to punish them because I was punished by my teacher. I'm not saying yeah. every teacher is, is like that, but. No, no, but I know it's very was. difficult for you, wasn't it? Yes. And they didn't understand back then what dyslexia, I mean, they thought I was just lazy and uh, mm -hmm. I didn't want to learn. He said, I promise you, I will help you to to become a teacher i'm like no way i can't even graduate from my class this is just a dream <laughs> this is just a hope he said you need you need to stay on this and i'm gonna help you it was one of the days that i would say uh lifted me up it gave me hope it kept me going and um robert needed to get the tea from the kitchen so i selfishly i said you sit i'll go get get your tea because um, I don't want him to leave. I didn't want him to leave the room. <laughs> so he's supposed to be leaving the room. So I uh -huh. said, you stay and I'll go. 
I stood up and then I was turning just the wall mm -hmm. towards the kitchen. And I heard a loud, loud uh, sound like, like this. And then mm -hmm. the bomb came into the living room and killed my brother, Robert. I turned around and I saw Robert and I saw his hand, the one he was going to uh, give me the hand. And um, Robert was gone just, just in the blink of the eye. Mm -hmm. And my mom, she was trying to throw herself from the window. Mm -hmm. And my father, because she she didn't know what happened, and mm -hmm. each one of we, we lived in five stories. Each one of the stories, um, bomb flew in to the same room, mm -hmm. and the the whole the whole uh, building was shaking. And my mom completely lost it. She was trying to throw herself from the window. My father is holding her back, and he's looking at me. Are you okay? I'm looking at my mom trying to throw herself, my brother burning in the room and a bomb coming one after another. And mm. very soon the door was um, pushed in and my brother Eli and two other men, they carried me, I was still in my pajamas. They carried me and took me down. And I, when, when I was coming out the building, I looked at that room uh, that I was there a few seconds earlier and the room was in flame. Mm -hmm. uh, my life changed from that moment and uh, I just had to keep something from Robert and I learned how to keep my hope because he wanted me to keep my hope. Mm -hmm. And I thought if I take, if I, if I stop keeping hope i'm not giving him what he wanted for me even though every time i was smiling i felt guilty for years because i'm oh. supposed to be in the room and he's supposed to be leaving the room so he kind of saved my life so i wanted to do something for him i wanted to keep my hope every time my hope was crushed that was only the beginning of the war mm. and a long, harsh reality after that. Yeah, and I, I know you're, and thank you so much for sharing such a difficult moment in your life. And I know it was such a, a hard moment for you and also such a beautiful experience just beforehand as well with the, the hope that Robert left you with. Um, that you you can believe in yourself, and he believed in you too. Um, and, and I, I believe in others now. That's yeah, what I, I do. I pay it forward, you know. Mm. And I and I think um, I know you. Uh, you went through such incredible um, hardship during the war. Um, your entire family. It was such a destructive period of your life. Could you? Um, share what the, the worst, um, most painful experience was for you during that time. Um, can you repeat that question? I, for some reason, I didn't yeah, that's hear it. Okay. That's okay. So when you were living through the Lebanese Civil War, what was the, the worst or, or most painful experience that you had during that time? Because I know there were so many. But what so was many, the yeah. Hardest? Well, the first one is losing Robert. Yeah. You know, nothing could really take that. But then when uh, my family lost everything and we became homeless, we didn't have home anymore. We didn't have anything. So we had to separate. And uh, they put me in the mountain with my six years old brother to for safety mm -hmm. because we didn't have anywhere to stay. When they put us there, I remember when, you know, the car left, uh, I felt like my heart is leaving with my family because I don't know if I didn't know if I'm going to see them again. So I stayed in that mountain for like several months and the war shut down the communications. Back then we didn't have cellulars, barely anyone had a phone 
you know, I mean, we had phones, but not everybody had a phone. And you were in a boarding school, weren't down. you? Yes. You were in a boarding school at the time, which wasn't the most uh, pleasant experience at all, that even wasn't, if it wasn't a civil war. Exactly, exactly. It wasn't a good boarding school. Like here, you know, boarding schools are good, but that particular boarding school was not the best boarding school ever. Mm. And um, we get shut down from the water, electricity, food. Um, I caught my brother eating from the garbage. They were giving us just a piece of bread and a little bit paste tomato on it. Uh, sometimes we get soup if we're lucky or uh, fruits. Uh, uh, apple and um, I had to give it to my brother my 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 food because it wasn't enough for him so it mm. was a very uh, experience that um, was very very hard to see my little brother I had to be a mother to my brother and mm. I'm still grieving about my other brother Robert so mm. it was it was um those moments, not knowing if I'm going to see my parents again, not knowing if I'm going to see any of my family again, and watching from the window at night, seeing the bomb flying, like a fire flying from one area to another one, like that was so scary because I knew mm. with each one of those bombs what's going to happen and mm. to, to where it's dropping. Who's killing right now? Is I'm ever mm. going to see my family again? Mm. It was very, very difficult. And, but I gained something in that, in that moment. I went so deep into my soul, so deep into my, dig deep into my heart. I was so scared and I was so uh, confused and I didn't know how to deal with six years old brother to help him when he asked for his mom, you know, mm. which is my mom. And then when he asked about Robert and when, when he's hungry and then it was, I was young myself. So I, I felt so darkness in my heart. And at that moment, because it was a brand that still knew the war was none of the people, none of the kids lost anyone at that time. And in my country, we, we respected that, so we wear black, but not mm. at the age of 12. I still wanted to wear black just because I want to respect my brother. So, but I felt black in my heart, in my soul. Mm. And at one time, I found myself sitting on a, on a bench, and I had victory behind me. I still remember I put my, my back like this, and I looked up, and I said, I surrendered. I surrendered from from ever from fear i just like i was sobbing crying saying god i need your help i need i need i need guidance i i want to see know if you my parents are alive or not and i kidding you not i just felt after i surrendered completely i felt like light came through me like literally filled every inch of my body and after that i felt relaxed i felt like more alive i felt i was guided i was able to guide whatever happened throughout the 13 years and throughout the rest of my life until today i felt protected wow. there is something magical happened that day and i learned how to do that and other times when I was going through obstacles and challenges, how to surrender. And um, that's the experience I learned from that. It's just, I think the war tortured everyone. But mm. at the same time, I gained something that I can't explain. Mm. And how did you, did you leverage that to help your brother through the the really difficult times in the in the boarding school that that you yes. you were in how did you how did you find that courage and the and the deep uh, rooted power inside you to to keep going because i know it's you know it's it was such a hard 
uh, journey for you? How did you muster up that 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 courage and that power inside yourself to to just keep going and and keep persevering? I think when you find your why, you find you have to do it for somebody else. Mm-hmm. You look for something to look for, to live for. Um, for some reason, I was able to keep keep as much as positive. First of all, that light really lifted me up. Mm-hmm. And then uh, knowing that I have to take care of him, it allowed me to surrender because I needed guidance. Mm-hmm. And also keeping my hope alive because of what Robert did for me and I wanted to keep him alive so I had to keep my hope alive and somehow I was able to navigate and there is power when you help somebody else and I Mm. think it subconsciously that's what I'm doing today Mm. what I'm doing today is like I want to help others even if I don't help them you can help them I have access to some top experts right mm-hmm. why can i use that and i could let you help others so i don't have to personally help others even though i do coaching and i have my programs mm-hmm. and everything but i'm not enough for the world it's just mm-hmm. i'm not going to be the one who's going to change the world uh, i will be the one who's going to make a difference with the world with other people who's willing to come in so we all can change the world and make a difference. Mm. Uh, So that's the deep passion I have. I work so much. Uh, I work work hours and hours because my husband, he tells me, if you didn't have passion, you will break because Mm. I work seven days a week, sometimes 14, 18 hours a day. I'm so blessed to have him support me with that um i recently spent time yesterday with my grandkids uh, i went to baseball game literally uh, i i literally literally felt alive a little bit because i was able just to be outdoor and not just working working and giving 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 i'm learning to mm-hmm. to relax and take time and you know enjoy life or whatever but when you're putting a platform like this together, it's not an easy task, but it's okay with me. I mm-hmm. live in this. It's your but passion. I, I, my passion, and I don't get tired. I make all my team get tired before I get tired because I want it. Well, I do get tired afterwards. <laughs> After I finish what I'm doing, then it goes like, oh, now I feel tired. <laughs> <You know? laughs> When I'm working, I'm not feeling anything. But I just feel if I don't do this, I don't know what else to do. But yesterday, I really felt like, wow, I've been gone. I mean, I go visit and everything, not as much as I should. But I have not really, really felt relaxed like this for a long time. Because I've wow. been going, 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 going. I wanted a legacy how... before anything happened to me. <laughs> and is that how you survived? Was that your survival mechanism through the really yeah. dark times in your life? Is just to keep going, keep going, 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 uh, yeah. and eventually that you'll have that opportunity me. to. That feeds to me. Down. That feeds my soul. Yeah. <laughs> Knowing that if somebody learns something from you, they're gonna have a better life. Yeah, that yeah. means a lot to me, knowing that what I'm building is something bigger than myself and something it's going to give opportunity to all of the people who wants to make a, a difference come together. That yeah. means a lot to me. It's not about me. It's about what I'm leaving legacy and how I can yeah. help experts like yourself to really reach people around the world. That's that's how I can serve. Yeah, I think it's just amazing what you've managed to accomplish. And I would love to explore a bit more of your story, which I know was a very difficult piece to write, if you'd be willing to talk about it. Sure. And that was the um, the difficulty that you had with your other brother, um, who 
who who was not nice to you would you would you mind sharing some of that because this is such a taboo topic that people don't um have the courage to talk talk about about. and I think your message is is so important for for many uh children and adults out there who who have suffered a similar uh, abuse that you you experienced yeah, this is a difficult topic. Okay, <laughs> but, no, that's I, uh, okay. but that's okay. That's okay. That's why I, I wrote it because I had to find the courage to write about it. So yeah. I I need to find the courage to talk about it, right? Okay. And the reason I found the courage is because I want people not to feel alone. I want them to speak yeah. up. I want them not to feel alone. Um, and um, like I wrote in the book, I was seven years old when I get sexually abused by my brother. And uh, that continued, and not only the abuse sexually, it was uh, physically and mm-hmm. mentally, emotionally. Mm-hmm. He emotionally, was me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't tell anyone because, you know, that's what they do. They make you feel guilty that uh, mm-hmm. there's something wrong with you and you should be ashamed. And I was seven years you. old. Yeah. And I was seven years old, didn't know what, is going on uh but you just believe that you believe that you're you're not good that there's something wrong with you and adopting that idea it's what what makes people don't speak up what makes children don't speak up because they don't feel like they're uh worthy and somebody's gonna listen to them somebody's gonna believe them and that's why I wrote it because I wanted to encourage others to come out and talk about it. If if they're going through something like this, I want the mothers maybe to pay more attention to her child, what mm-hmm. she's going through, and maybe her child not saying anything doesn't mean her, the mother is not good mother, but it could be the mother uh, who is very trusty mm-hmm. with the neighbors or the the her her other siblings she's trust she trusts you know mm-hmm. and maybe maybe ha, maybe that will ignite to have the mother to have some questions a little bit and watch m- more than what they already watching because mothers they always protect their their children mm-hmm. and i respect that uh, but sometimes some things could pass you and you don't even know what's happening mm. and that's what happened to my uh, mom she didn't know and even my father didn't know nobody knew about mm. it until I was like 33 years old mm. the first time I told my mom before I wrote the first book mm-hmm. and um, the reason I told her because she came to United States and my husband encouraged me to tell her so I was able to tell her I told her my sister my daughter and one of my cousin and my brother, my younger brother, mm. uh, felt pressure came down off of my back, uh, mm. telling what happened. But what happened is Ely passed away. And before one week before Ely passed away, he asked for forgiveness. Mm. And uh, the day that we had to say goodbye to him. I bent down and I said to him, thank you for teaching me how to forgive. And your dynamic with your brother, I think it's it's a a beautiful part of the story really shifted in those weeks, that week before before he passed, didn't it? Because he realized he felt guilty that had occurred and how it had influenced your life decisions and and the the course of your life and 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 I think it's uh, amazing that you did find it in your heart to to forgive him for for all of the hurt that he he um he He did did, to you Uh, yeah and what would your piece of advice for children be who are uh struggling with um this particular situation themselves with a sibling that is that is not being kind to them what would you say to children who may be listening or or teens who've experienced this as younger children 
what would your advice be to them? Don't ever, 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 ever feel guilty about what happened to you, that it is you, because it's not you, and you're not responsible for what's happening to you. And um, to have the courage to speak about it, not to be afraid, uh, find the right person that might guide you Mm -hmm. uh, without creating drama around it, because mm -hmm. that's what we try to avoid, not to have drama. I avoided not to have Robert fight with Ely, because mm -hmm. Robert, if he, he knew about it, he will definitely have, it will be World War Three mm -hmm. between them. And I kind of knew that. Uh, just to prevent the problems, I didn't say anything. Mm -hmm. And, and how uh, did, sorry no just to prevent it i didn't say anything yeah but i didn't do the right thing i should have maybe told my father which is you have to choose who's in the family that has a stable mind mm -hmm. uh, and then choose the person who you're close to and they're able to handle that because sometimes um one person, and that's why I didn't say anything, because I felt I can get the hit. But if I say something, it's going to destroy the whole family. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of children think the same way. If mm -hmm. I say something, it's going to destroy the whole family. And as girls, we don't, we like peace. We want to keep peace in the house. Mm -hmm. So therefore, we don't say anything. So many people are abused by their father. You know, yeah. not necessarily brother or uncle or somebody. Yeah. They don't want to create. I think girls, they don't say anything because they want to create. And boys, too. Mm -hmm. They don't want to create problems. And they don't want to feel that they were part of something like that. Mm -hmm. So the shame. And also, they don't want to create anything. So I encourage them uh to find the right person in the family who they know they're not gonna make a huge issue about it mm -hmm. i should have maybe told my father because he mm -hmm. have more um he was he had a lot of wisdom but it's still no one told me that i could do that mm -hmm. you know uh i hope by sharing this message with others i can help them to do what i couldn't do mm -hmm. right and what would and and i think it's so important that children have that safe haven what they can go to to talk to to talk uh, yeah to, to get some help but i also are consciously aware from a brain health perspective it's sometimes very difficult for children to communicate in a way that adults understand what the child is saying because they're communicating in a language with emotions that are not fully developed and so often it can be difficult for the parent to understand mm -hmm. what exactly the child is saying so with that in mind what would you say to parents what uh, from your personal experience and uh, being now a parent yourself what would you what advice would you give to parents who um want to protect their children and want to make sure that they are there for them and, and and have an open line of communication what advice would you give to parents to m minimize the risk of this happening within the family circle mm -hmm. or beyond the family circle indeed okay so it, it to me i would say first of all you have to learn how to recognize it in mm -hmm. a child and i would say 90 percent i'm not a psychologist you are but to for my experience when a child starting to be quiet quiet if your mm -hmm. child was more up and then starting to be quiet there is something not right and mm -hmm. i think it shouldn't come in and say why you're being quiet you know mm -hmm. what's going on you have to tell me what's going on you have to tell mm -hmm. me what's going on i think it has to come from love and it has to come from understanding and building the relationship between 
the the mother or the father who's talking to the child and starting to slowly slowly make them feel comfortable to talk about it mm-hmm. and maybe bring some examples that yeah. i heard this is happening to someone i don't feel the child it's in wrong you mm-hmm. know let them feel like you're not going to blame them if this happened cuz mm-hmm. most of the time the child is blaming themselves because mm-hmm. they allowed it to be and i think by understanding giving them that assurance that we're not going to blame you by giving yeah. them the example i think that will open the communications between you and and the child mm. and i think for me i agree and i think it's really important to have that open communication channel with a loving nurturing approach yeah. from a parental yeah. perspective because as soon as you create a parental environment where you are berating your child or disciplining your child in a way that is destructive it's very difficult for your child to feel that they can come yeah. and talk to you and express what instead of saying what's them. wrong with you instead of yeah. saying what's wrong with you why you're acting this way i wouldn't ask I wouldn't ask what's wrong with you why you're acting this way. As soon yeah. as you ask them why what's wrong with you why you're acting this way, they feel they have to hold it more. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. I I think it's like almost when you tell the man we need to talk. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's you don't tell him confrontation we need to talk. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? So you need to c- talk to your child a little bit differently. Yeah. You know. Yeah. and i know i know uh you know it this um is really important for me as a as a as now a mum that uh for my daughter that we have an open uh channel of communication where Trust. she feels she can express herself and even at the smallest thing of her mentioning um she was pushed by someone at nursery um we thank her for for expressing saying that it. was going on and saying it and say it's really important that she ex- it says what's troubling her and mm-hmm. we'll take it seriously and and obviously we we do and we follow up but i think it's creating that really nurturing safe environment for children to express in whatever way they they feel they can um so that you can not only as you said hear what they're saying but but hear what they're not saying yes um, and and take take action from that from that um point i think when you say to a child what's wrong with you it's you're giving them confirmation there is something wrong with them yeah 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 and that's the why they're so being important. abused is something yeah. wrong you're no good there's yeah. something wrong with you you made the wrong decision you knew better you allowed it to happen You know what mm. I mean so what's wrong with you why you're acting this way it's more it's more uh confirming to the child not to tell you yeah. because now you know what something wrong with me i already know something wrong with me because that's what the abusive person told me and now you're telling me what's wrong with you it's confirming to say something wrong with me mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think also in the context of your story and um and I certainly um uh this is common um from some of the things that happened to me is when you create an environment where you are making fun of people or putting people down um then you are going to close that person down to not feel that they can talk with you because there's a risk that someone will make fun of your situation and i know from yeah. your educational perspective that was quite common uh, in your story that you you were you were put down by certain members of your family um which made it hard for you to open up those communication channels by virtue of how that response was in terms of other parts of your life yeah would would you agree with that 100% yeah 100% yeah. definitely. Yeah. I'm glad the world are opening up more. We're 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 understanding more. We understand our children more, our grandkids. 
uh, a lot of things has been open. I think a human suffered for a long time because, uh, I mean, I thank God for United States because when you live in a country that has hundreds of thousands of years of uh, 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 tradition, mm. it's hard to break it. But yeah. the United States opened up this door and brought people from everywhere in the world. And now we don't have one tradition. You know, we were not locked into one tradition has been 200, 300 years old. You know what I mean? It's the, the whole United States is not even 300 yeah. years old. So yeah. we don't have, um, and then we have different tradition from different places. It's been, it's been uh, changed a lot. You know, mm. nobody really followed 100% what they brought with them. Some of it they continue, but not 100%. Mm -hmm. Their children's grandkids changing a little bit. So it's given us the freedom to speak up. I would never mm -hmm. say, tell my story if I was still in my country. And mm. I think I think that's what the message about having the freedom in the United States. And people think the freedom just to um, have a big home and have a big house and and uh, you know wear whatever you want and do whatever you want i think more than that we're breaking those traditions that it's not embarrassing to talk about things it's not embarrassing to if you want to divorce a guy that who's abusing you you know in my tradition it's my okay. days was very bad it's like yeah. you could be abused several times by the male and then if you get divorced they're gonna blame you about it mm. you know i don't encourage divorce i've been married for almost 30 years with my husband uh, which is i think he's my soulmate i'm not encouraging that but i'm i don't encourage to stay in relationship where you're abused either mm. you know so, you, so if you know how to take the freedom, mm -hmm. I didn't take the freedom and married my husband and divorced him just because I am in the United States. No, because he's a nice guy, because yeah. he's my soulmate. You know, and if he wasn't, then I have the freedom not to stay. So I think if it's people understand what is it, one, one the line that, you know, some people do need to have um the freedom and uh not to be abused from from that mm -hmm. not the freedom that i want to be single woman just mm -hmm. for the sake of being single woman it's mm -hmm. not for me to say that anyway everybody's free to do whatever but i'm not encouraging divorce just to have a freedom but yeah. if if you're if you're being abused uh, then it's different and it's mm. different um, both sides, you know what I mean? Not just women, mm. there's men being abused too, right? Absolutely. There's Absolutely. a lot of men being abused. Mm. And I know you went communicate right. Yeah, and I know you went on a journey yourself, didn't you, as a, a yes. very young child bride to, to find the love of your life that you have today. And it was not a, a difficult, difficult, uh, it wasn't, sorry, it was not an easy journey. It was incredible. It was not. <laughs> Uh, to get to where you are now, particularly um, with your uh, immigration over to the to the USA. And um, I'd like to kind of delve a little bit into your immigration. I know it was a an opportunity for you and, and, and you pursued it with uh, with gusto. Could you could you tell us a little bit about your story as you as you arrived in the in the USA with your daughter who's um, 10 years old, how you found that hope and found your way and, and, and became the entrepreneur and an amazing lady that you are today. How long do we have? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we'll have to do the highlights or the lowlights. <laughs> how Literally, how long do we have? <laughs> Uh, you know, I I I um, applied everything I learned throughout the war, and to survive over there, and I told myself, well, it's true, different here, different kind of surviving because it's different language, it's a different obstacles, different challenges. You know, it's totally there. There is no war over here. There is no bomb yeah. coming at you, but uh, there is 
something different. If you don't have the money, how are you going to pay the rent? If you don't have yeah. the money, I, I didn't come as a refugee. So it was very difficult, but I stood my ground and I said, I'm not going back, taking my daughter to put her in danger or myself. And I don't have the freedom over there. When you're divorced and back then, now they're more modern. That's why I thank America because uh, mm -hmm. we're really delivering the message of a little bit more freedom. But back then, they looked at women very badly. In my days, it was if you're divorced, it, it, you are not third class, especially if you don't have education and you're not rich, you don't have a family, you know, that well off, mm -hmm. right? And um, it was difficult for me to think even going back. And I said, you know what? I am not going back this time. I came here before, but mm -hmm. I had to leave because, you know, you have to read the story to, to, to know the whole detail. But mm -hmm. this time I said, I'm not leaving. And I need to, I needed to keep my hope alive because uh, if you spell hope, it's having open possibilities every day. I love that. That's I believe, I believed I have open possibilities every day if I keep my hope alive. And I kept my hope, even though I heard how she's going to stay. There is no way she's going to make it. She doesn't speak English. She doesn't have money. She have a child with her. I mean, they try to help me. I don't blame people either because uh, uh, I was so thankful for the people who opened the door and then let me sleep in the living room. I was so thankful to have the people who brought me leftovers when I was able to rent small one bedroom, not one studio, uh, because I stopped working and I was working, making only $3 an hour because I didn't have mm -hmm. paper. And until I made my paper and uh, it wasn't enough. So I had to sleep hungry just to feed my daughter. And uh, it wasn't easy, but I kept my hope. Hope is having open possibilities mm -hmm. every day. Every and day. every day I reminded myself, there is hope for me over here. There is opportunity for me here. There is like, I need to keep going no matter what. I I have no plan B. And when you don't have a plan B, sometimes you do have to have a plan B, but sometimes when you don't have a plan B, you don't give up. Yeah. And you keep you don't going. Give up because you don't have any other choice. Yeah. It's yeah. like when the bomb flies, you don't have a choice but to run. Yeah. That's the only choice you have. You can't think. You can't say my choice here or here, stay or leave. You're going to have yeah. to run. And and I think life is the same way. It, either I felt I have no choice but to stay. That's it. And having this attitude, no matter what they told me, I kind of knew in my heart, I'm going to make it because You're I know what it. I want. And this is part of what the program I developed. It's the, the negotiator mind because yeah. I had to learn how to create a different way of thinking. And I discovered my negotiator mind. So instead of talking to people to find solutions for me, and people now, they tell me, other experts, they say, Amy, how do you do all this? How you get people to help you? How you get this done? How you get this done? And we can't do what you're doing. And we're they have more education than me. They've been doing what, what I'm doing for a long time, but they're not getting what I get. And mm. I tell them is, is to learn how to negotiate with yourself before you go out and negotiate with others what you want. Uh, for example, if you want to buy a car, if you know exactly what you want and you know what color, what not, what year, exactly what you want when you go talk to the salesperson, there is no more negotiation because you negotiate that with yourself. And when you show up knowing what you want, people are willing to help you to get what you want. Yeah. I think I think that's beautiful yeah. actually. I can see how the, how your story uh, really gave you that insight into how you it was really Tap important into. for you to to negotiate for yourself to 
to get help yeah. you get what you want so i can see yeah. that so so powerful and i done this if i'm talking to somebody about uh, my show's gonna be on Roku very soon and if i'm i'm doing anything i do it not on purpose but i know before i go meet with people before i ask people i think about it i stop and i see their perspective i see what they want i serve them i make sure I am clear in what I want because people are busy. And when they see you, you're clear on what you want. Most likely people will want to work with you. And I mm -hmm. see that happening all the time because mm -hmm. when you show them that you're clear, they're happy because life is not easy and life could be confusing. And when you, when you know what you want, you could negotiate. Mm. I, I learned how to tap into my negotiator mind. And that's a process. It's like when you discover that kind of thinking, uh, it's, it's like a program. It's like fear program we have, fear, mm -hmm. judgment, uh, ego. We have those mm -hmm. programs. We have a program named negotiator mind. And mm -hmm. when we tap into that negotiator mind, we had to learn how to nurture it. So I, it took me years to get where I am, but I am, uh, I kind of mastered it because I have no choice but to do it. Okay. And I think it's <laughs> not because it's I'm smart, because I have no other way, because I don't have uh, education. So well, I, I had to develop I have my to, own. I have to say that you clearly are smart because you've been able to leverage the skill set that you've been given as a human and uh, to best effect so many people don't do that so that's incredibly smart to take what you have and amplify it to the world so i think Thank you. <laughs> don't discredit yourself there and i know that that has enabled you to get your book turned into a motion picture which which is coming out do you know when light from the shadows is going to appear on people's screens we're working on it yet <laughs> and we're working on it and uh, you know it's so blessing again to have um uh, eric p granger yeah who is the award winner uh screenwriter uh adopted my book and yeah. uh, it's just a humbling to me someone like him he won like over a hundred awards i mean he's really he great writer yeah and he's a co-producer uh, i would would be nice to for you to interview him and he'll talk oh, about I'd it love more. to do that yes I'd love i'll to connect that. you with him thank he you he is thank such you. a blessing to our life to my family he became like part yeah. of our family and um he read the book three times because he wanted to make sure he's understanding it very deeply and yeah. the way he wrote it it just it's just a, a beautiful way he had to write it a little bit like in different way but yeah to get the same point uh -huh. but it's just beautiful his writing it's just so yeah. beautiful so yeah. he's a co-producer too we're working on it and uh, as soon as i have any news i will definitely let you know oh that's lovely thank you yes. and what's next for you after that what's your what's next for you on the horizon I know you've got so much going on with uh, <laughs> Empowering Humanity TV, got magazine yeah. coming out. Yes, magazine coming out. And um, the the academy, the online academy, having uh -huh. experts like yourself. And uh, it, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work, but it's so exciting because I will be sharing your wisdom with other people. I hope uh, the mother will open the book and she could read something <laughs> that helps her with the child. And the husband will help him to understand his wife. And the wife, mm -hmm. she reads something to help her understand her boss or her husband. And we could have a more peace in the world by having mm. all education, but it's in a fun way. That's what mm. I want. I wanted to have an environment where we could have fun learn mm. grow and have peace in the world that's that's the goal and you know your book is so powerful i can imagine that it will be a book that will be studied at schools to to talk about how people can overcome adversity and hardship and trauma and so many of the 
uh, difficult times that you you explain in your book so really you, you know you've Thank really you. realized your your dream of be, becoming a teacher with the with the knowledge and the and the wisdom that you shared and just really what I found so beautiful about your story is that you never once judged anybody you you no. really approached every difficult situation with such compassion uh towards the whoever it was that was doing you harm or whatever thing was do, doing harm to you in your life and sought to find the lesson from it rather rather than the hate and I think your your dad was clearly an enormous uh, role model and your brother Robert in in you in finding that light from the darkness and 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 the tears of hope that you were able to now share with us so I just really want to thank you so much for for sharing your story and um, and finally for, for because this is the show brain health unchaining your pain what one piece of advice would you give to somebody who has been ex- experienced a major trauma in their life through living through a a, a war torn country or or dealing with abuse what one piece of advice would you give to somebody who's struggling at the moment um sometimes what prevent preventing us from finding the peace because um we allow our ego to take over mm. and if we just understand and have the there is a healthy ego and there is unhealthy ego like fear mm. there is a healthy fear and a healthy fear and i teach this because it is um the 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 healthy ego you want to keep to help you overcome obstacles is is um, embraces great opportunities e g e g o embraces great opportunities you need to embrace any opportunity comes to you unhealthy ego eliminate great opportunities mm. right very powerful so if you could learn how to embrace keep the ego that embraces uh, keep your confidence up and keep and keep uh, recognizing the great opportunities don't allow your other ego not to get help from someone not to listen to somebody's wisdom and then because you're above it because you then you're closing yourself to everything i think when we go through obstacles and challenges we need help we need we need to surrender not to the darkness we need to surrender to the light and if you mm. learn how to surrender to the light and uh, the help you use the healthy ego you could have great opportunities in your life and you learn how to keep your hope alive because now you're seeing light through darkness it's very important to keep yourself going because the mm. other way it's it's just go down but if mm. you take the healthy way all it's going to happen is you're going to learn the wisdom you're open to receive and paying it forward to help other people to see the light through darkness and share mm. your wisdom with them there's a, something powerful what you're going through right now uh, it is a lesson it's a beautiful lesson yeah. you're going through right now just mm. keep on holding to that lesson that's hold on I, to the I, lesson I, and and let go of the pain yes where you can and embrace those opportunities that will come forward to you that is yeah. just really thank you amy for for sharing um that thank amazing with heaven insight how can people get hold of you we'll have this all in the show notes but how can people get hold of you to find out more um what well, you can go to empoweringhumanitytv.com empowering humanity it's on the screen empoweringhumanitytv.com <laughs> and you can find everything you want to find over there um everything you need to know it will be yeah. on that and, website and do, my social do, media everything do get this amazing yeah. book it's just Thank a phenomenal you. read and it's, also we forgot to say this book and also from the movie when it comes out i'm giving 75% yeah. out yeah to abuse uh, yeah ex- uh, people who suffer through war 
sexual abuse and uh, dyslexia. So I'll choose a, wow. a organization and I'm gonna donate 75 percent. So That's anything beautiful. when you buy, you are actually helping helping a child somewhere. So that's really lovely. Thank you, Amy, so much for Thank being you. on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure having you, it's and I wish pleasure. you every success. And I can't wait to connect with you some more and uh, and uh, be part of your amazing movement. Thank you for Thank coming. you for the opportunity. Appreciate it. This broadcast is brought to you by WinCheck Studios. We are an all-in-one educational platform for podcasters that revolutionizes how hosts leverage content to increase engagement with listeners, downloads, and income. We come together to focus on community, collaboration, and collective impact. For more information on how you can interact directly with our hosts, access exclusive live content with offers you can't get anywhere else from our official partners, join our purpose-driven community by visiting www.winject.com. If you're ready to build a career doing what you love, then we're ready to see you there.